Hello, uh, this is Vincent from the Great British Drafting Show. Um, every week we are going to be doing a podcast to talk you through the 2020 NFL Draft class and what it means for the Carolina Panthers. I will be joined every week by Ollie, my co-host, um, and we will go through talking about what matters at each position, uh, where the Panthers stand in terms of current players and, and what their potential options might be going into free agency a little bit, and then also what's important in that position generally when looking for prospects and what the 2020 Draft class has to offer. We will be going through each position group uh, one by one in the build up to the draft um, as that it looks to be a major part of how the Panthers go about this rebuild that we've heard so much about. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast, whatever you're listening to, and give us a try. We are quite good. The Great British Drafting Show, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates. It is what it is. The Roaring Riot podcast, Not What You Think, the Carolina Line, and the Great British Drafting Show. For more great talk about your favorite team, follow the Riot Network on Twitter, at the Riot Network, to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us where you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is. Just spent two weeks out of the country, and I know it's shocking to everybody. No major Panthers news broke while you were gone. Yeah, it was really exciting. Actually, I think it was because I had somebody covering the the desk, if you will, during the during my time away. Um, because literally every time. I've gone out of the country when they like, and it has been shocking stuff too. It wasn't like, oh, hey, oh, Colin Jones re-upped on a contract extension. It's like Dave Gettleman fired two weeks before training camp. It's uh, Eric Reed signs with the Carolina Panthers. It's, oh, what was the other? There was another, there was cr- another super really crazy one. Josh Norman. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, I, that was before my time. Well, I mean, I was alive, but like I wasn't covering the Panthers at the time. Josh is four. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> goo goo gaga. Uh, I don't. Big for his age. Yeah. That's why they call me the big dog. Um, he was a puppy then. <laughs> the big puppy. Yeah, exactly. When Josh Norman got cut. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something terrible. So this time I was like all prepared. I was like, okay, so just in case something happens. And then, of course. Nothing happens except, I don't know if you guys heard, but Cam Newton is on the training block. So um, I don't know if that happened specifically while I was gone. But uh, I think I saw it on Twitter. The new reports came out. Like every week, new report, same thing. Here we go. I'm, we're going to get to it, I'm sure. I, yeah, it'll probably come up. Probably at I, some I point. Would say. I'm sure everyone's going to have a very measured opinion on it. Oh, yes. Very calm. I'm going to be super with our sound check lasted a really long time because of all the yelling. That I'm sure won't happen at all. Speaking of sound checks, also, (laughs) Mr. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, is thinking about taking a couple of online Baylor classes, you know, just to get a chance to be hired by the Panthers. Also, physical presence in the middle for my church basketball team. Wow. Uh, Yep. Second place right now in the league. Oh, very exciting. Heading to the playoffs. Um, Me and the refs, though, we had the same refs every week. I didn't anticipate that early on. (laughs) Uh, It's working against me here of late, but... Uh, we're gonna mend fences. What's your comp? I feel I picture you as like a like a 
like a thinner Al Jefferson, well, like it, having like some old school moves. Well, based on the based on my park days, it was um, any Cherokee Parks, uh, <laughs> Eric Montross, Serge Wicker. Um, occasionally, not as often as I would like Larry Bird. Oh, okay. In there. All right. My so just so just tall white guys, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. your comp. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, yeah. that's fair. Timo Mackinen. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, how many teams are in? Please tell me there's more than two teams. There are there are more than okay. two teams. You said you were in second. I, I mean, well, I, like, I did I get put more. on the second team for our church, but that's that's fine. That's fine. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, there's no no issue there. There's no chip on my shoulder at all. Mm. Maybe you'll get moved up for the playoffs. Is that how it works? No, no. I don't think that's how maybe no. you'll get relegated. <laughs> yeah. Another t- the other tur- uh, Providence Baptist is uh, they're really getting blown out. So we're gonna drop them down to the D leagues. I mean that's how it works, right? I don't know. I'm it's I'm a, Jewish. I don't play church league basketball. We oh. have one team and we play against each other and we score. Uh, it's best first to two. <laughs> By the way, how, how is the Jewish Jordan doing these days? Oh, he is crushing it over there for Maccabi Tel Aviv. I would imagine it's the only Israeli team I know. Well done. Yep. Well done. Uh, let's introduce our guest because I'm sure he would like to speak at some point on the one day contract this week. Kevin Donnelly, former Carolina Panther, 13 year NFL veteran. Charlotte 49ers football director of player development and co-host of the Carolina Line podcast available on the Riot Network and wherever podcasts are sold. Itching to get some Panthers takes out there on the internet. You're ready. Ready. Uh, listen, I've been cooped up too long. You know, I need to get some things out uh, just to talk about them. And it's glad to be here with you guys. And, uh, you know, we're full in with this Panthers team. We want information. We want things to be discussed. We want all those things out there. And we hope today we'll shed some light on some of the stories going on with the Panthers because there's not a lot in the media in terms of actual movement of anything going on. Yeah. But, man, all we hear is rumors and trade talks and maybe guys getting cut, uh, different things like that. And it just seems like uh, changes are coming, and they're coming fast. Kevin, welcome to the show. Um, just real quick, I want to want to. Why? What? It why? feels like such. You're about to be like Kevin. Welcome to the show. Welcome it, to the now. Show. Here is the, a terrible question. No, the Timo Mackinen reference. <laughs> yeah, Does yeah. anyone know? It's yeah. a guy who played at Carolina long ago, but he was a tall, right. thin, white dude. That's right. There's, there's, there's well. a lot of those. By the way, I did win. I think it was a Calvary Church about four years ago. We won our church league wow. championship. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. I was like a uh, a vanilla. Charles Barkley. Oh, nice. Just an instant enforcer, an intimidator. Yeah. Um, really trying to intimidate the refs, too, not to call these ticky-tack fouls. Mm-hmm. I'll of- tell you, church ball is rough. <laughs> like, I don't know how your league is. We have to have a cop there. It's what? mandated. What? No, it feels like... It, Did you say a cop? Yeah. Like, yes. Okay. I mean, guys, it, it's their one outlet you know, to, to get some things off their chest and, and work some issues out, you know, and it all comes out on the court. It's brutal sometimes. What's the percentage of players wearing rec specs at this church league game? Because I picture it as, like, a lot of a lot of specs mm. out there. No? No. No, all no right. I think it's mostly contacts. But, okay. Kevin, as, as, as a fellow <laughs> well, big man. Well, I'm saying so you don't well, get poked. I've seen multiple headbands and socks, mm. like, jacked up over the calves. Yeah, you want to have those. Yes. But – like one dude was a baller, like it was like Woody Harrelson, you know, and uh, white men can't jump. He, I didn't think he had any game, and suddenly this guy was out there balling. Here it but, comes. I, uh, I I did have a, a question for you. It's draft season. I'm curious. You were drafted in the third round of the '91 draft. Do you know what wide receiver you were selected four picks ahead of that also had 
a nice long NFL career? Uh, Ed McCaffrey. Well done. The man wow. knows what? his own history. Right. Nicely done. Let's end the show. Not going to be any better than that. That's it. It's we'll see over. y'all next episode. I just figured that's a good thing just to have in your hip pocket I knew, forever I, and always. I knew he was a third rounder and he was my year, so I just took a stab. Well, well done, sir. That's impressive. That's a nice That's nice trivia right there. Yeah. Makes oh. a nice mustard also. I feel like I've brought that up multiple times on the show. McCaffrey's Rocky Mountain Mustard. Try it out if you're in the Denver region. So, How does um, it compare to Jared's barbecue sauce? <laughs> Not, not quite as much of a slobber knocker. That's a joke. That joke was that was good. That was good. I liked it. Well, before we all start uh, screaming at each other, yeah, let's start with Nikki's super important question. It's been a few weeks. We haven't got to uh, hang out or chat about this. Your thoughts on the XFL? Is anyone watching? I have not watched, but I think it's a great idea, and, and I think it's a good. I think it's a good thing. And it's a league built around quarterbacks, just like the NFL. But, I mean, the way they disperse the quarterbacks was different than the way they disperse the other players. And that is what the NFL, I think, needs more than anything, is a minor league for quarterbacks. So, no, I've not watched, but I do think it's a good thing. And I think it would be a good thing for football as a whole if one of these minor leagues, so to say, makes it. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. I've watched casually. I'm not catching every game, but um, I found myself flipping channels and – I stop on the game, and I end up staying a long time. And uh, especially when I'm watching the New York Defenders, I believe it is. They have a player, Austin Duke, that used to play at UNC Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, has done a few nice things out there. Scored his first touchdown. Had a nice kickoff return on that different kickoff return format that they have, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. It's something that maybe the NFL should pick up on, but I'm sure they don't want to copy anything from the XFL and give them any love whatsoever. Uh, but I, I've enjoyed it, and I agree um, you know, I just hope it, it finds a footing that it can stick around for a while because it's it's not really something that's going to compete with the NFL, but uh, really could be a like you said a farm system or a place for these guys to get that extra work, extra reps. Because you know, with the new CBA, they're talking about cutting down camp and hitting mm-hmm. even more. Yep. And um, to me, as an older player, it was it's cost us, I think, some enjoyment of the game because these teams are coming out of camp not very sharp. Um, and it takes them a while to get their footing, and it, it almost feels like the first couple of games are semi-preseason games, if you will. You, you hope to maybe get out of your first four games. If you split, you're cool. Like, okay, if we yeah. go two and two and then start to pick up some steam, we can have some success. But I've enjoyed watching the XFL. It's been fun. The, the NFL has always churned over those guys that don't, you know, make it in the year that they're, you know, could, or draft eligible. But you look at your co-host on the Carolina line, Al Wallace, like, even more so now, does he even have a, does he even make the league? You know what I mean? Like just the way it's going because there's so little runway, there's so little time. And you talk about the enjoyment, you, you do lose the stories of guys like Al Wallace that people do enjoy cheering for and, and those types of guys. When you, when you make it this way and you don't give these guys that do need a couple years maybe of, of, of getting practice and getting reps, um, it, it, you don't have that in the NFL. So this league – hopefully can provide it or some other league will continue to provide it. Because I, I guarantee if this league sticks around for, for three years, which I know is a stretch, but that's what the USFL did, you will have players that make it to the NFL out of this league. To me, it's all about perception of what is a success for the XFL. So if you're expecting the XFL to get NFL-type numbers to produce, to sell out Bank of America Stadium, I know obviously not here, but whatever, to produce that kind of same fervor that the NFL does I don't think you're going to but if you're expecting them to 
be something that people can watch and be kind of a minor league. You know, if you're comparing them to a minor league sport, I think that's going to be much more successful. And you're absolutely right. There is nowhere for these guys to get pride. Like you look at guys, you know, obviously social media, you follow a ton of these former Panther players. So guys that were kind of on the fringe of the roster, on the practice squad, they get cut. And then all of a sudden they just don't have anywhere to go. They're just working out at high school fields and they're, there, you know, there, there is no possible way for them to continue their conditioning to give themselves that chance to maybe jump back into the league if there is uh, a time for it. And the problem for me is always going to be offensive line play and quarterback play um, because I just don't think there are. The NFL has proven that you can't produce thirty-two good enough quarterbacks in the world and thirty-two good enough groups of five guys to stay healthy so that'll be the biggest thing for me is whether those two groups can hold up over the course of next NFL season but I mean Vince McMahon has a billion dollars and so he's he's more than willing to ride this out a little bit if it if it can help but so. you, you look at the last time we had uh, a league like this with the world league and it produced Kurt Warner and Jake DeLome it's not just about but having that was backed by the NFL. Right. That's yeah, agreed. But I'm saying that, but those guys got reps and that's what I think that matters more than anything else. Those guys even if it's at 3 quarter speed or whatever it is compared to the NFL, that's guys getting familiar, more game situations they're in. Like that's the value in this. This, this really can be all about the quarterbacks because that position is so important to the NFL. Yeah. I played with a guy Back in uh, the early 90s, Eric Norgard was an offensive lineman for Colorado, big running team, um, but a physical player, but barely was six foot tall, big, thick, you know, fire plug of a guy. Um, played in the XFL, I mean, uh, the World League for a couple of seasons and uh, even got to all world status, you know, oh, instead nice. of all pro, you yeah. know, they got all world. So even some pro bowlers I played with on our offensive line, hey, I'll never be all world. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Matthews, Mike Munchai. But I bring him up because, um, you know, didn't do a whole lot of pass blocking, but had that that chance to go to the World League and get over there and, uh, you know, hit, pass block, get those reps in, mm-hmm. made the squad, you know. And he ended up playing in the league, I want to say, seven or eight years. Uh, had a really nice career. Wouldn't have had that in today's, you know, NFL. Um, you know, when I was playing, I, I had 15 padded practices within the first two weeks, you know. And now I don't know what they're going to cut it to, <laughs> but it might be 15 <laughs> – in Total the, in the entire training camp, and I think it might end up being less. I feel like there weren't fifteen last year, were there? No, I don't think they took advantage yeah. of. Yeah, and then you know, it seems like they're always cutting out a day early or doing something mm-hmm. to get out of there. Um, it's just for linemen, it's tough. Offensive linemen, you brought it up. It's brutal because um, you know, as much as guys say they want to protect themselves and and be more healthy and not get dinged or whatever, it almost to me it it formed those calluses that helped you get through the seasons that helped you weed out maybe some of the guys who are a little more injury prone and you figure out, okay, who's our five best or six best guys that we can roll with. You know, in 2003, that offensive line, uh, we went through some grueling training camps with Coach Fox and uh, everyone started every single game that year except for one time against Arizona. Uh, Jeff Mitchell was out for the week. Uh, so we, you know, everyone, I felt, and there were some older guys too. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, Todd Stussy, older guy. Me, I was older. Um, Jeff Mitchell, kind of middle of his career. So these are guys that weren't, you know, all like Jordan Gross, who was a rookie that year, uh, you know, young and nimble and pliable and <laughs> not old and crusty like myself. But, you know, at camp helped us form those those calluses, like I said, that just got you through the tough times of the season and, and helped you just push through injuries and little things like that. 
Well, I think we're going to be firing off some some hot takes. So I'm just going to ask a question that I never in a million years would have thought I would have asked. But since we're going down this line of questioning or this discussion, uh, is it possible to play in the NFL in 2020 and not be tough? Like I, I, you never like I feel like everybody had to be tough back in the day playing football. But now I feel like and there are certain positions, offensive line, you, you know, defensive line. We're not talking about those guys, but like DBs, wide receivers. Like I, I feel like we may be crossing a threshold here where you know it used to be guys were injury prone and now it's they're held out for different reasons or whatever. Um, I, I feel like we are we are crossing some kind of point with the lack of tackling and the lack of contact. And I'm not you know I'm not saying go for the, the head kill shots things like that, but I do feel like it is not the same sport, not made up of the same men so to speak as it was for a long time if you're if you are asking me if i think the 1500 players in the nfl right now are all could all be considered tough i would not say yes i think they're certainly tougher than me but i don't think that i think there are guys on the roster that would not fit that billing and i you said not offensive line and not defensive linemen i think there are some offensive linemen and defensive linemen that would not be considered tough. i agree i completely agree i think uh, the game has gotten a little bit softer, and it's because of the rule changes. I still really enjoy NFL football, though. Oh. I love every Sunday watching all the games, not just the Panthers, but keep up with all the teams. And uh, it's just a different game. And, and a lot of guys that are playing it, um, you know, smart, tough, and physical, they're, they're, you know, it's a guy like Luke Keekley, you know, and we call him a throwback because there's not a ton of guys that are like that um, that go out there and play as physical as he is and – uh, shows up for every game if he possibly can. But I think there's a culture that's starting to permeate through college, high school, college, and pro. Um, you get a little nicked up, okay, sit him down for a week, two weeks. We want him for the long haul. You know what? In the pro game, you know, guys don't last more than three years. Forget the long haul. You know, show some toughness. Fight through it for your team. Um, I think that's been lost in some of this with football, and I think the toughness is – has gone away a little bit because everyone's so worried about protecting assets. And I understand that. And a lot of guys are making business decisions. They want to play a really long time. But, um, you know, you said there, there's soft O-line and D-linemen out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sh- our guys were getting pushed around last year on that defensive line. Um, you know, not naming names or anything. But there was there was not a lot of guys in that group that I would say was just a guy that was, was a badass that you feared this guy in this play. And – Probably could even say that on that offensive line. Sure, I would say except for Bruce Irvin, who is absolutely terrifying. But um, I, I completely agree. He's the one guy I remember the first preseason game uh, wherever we played up in Chicago, or it was on the road. Yeah, I, I think so. I was on the road, and uh, Cam Newton she was playing his music every single time before the game, and Bruce Irvin comes in the locker room, and he's like, "What the f is this?" and just changed it, and I. Like, I've been here as long as Cam's been here and in and out of the locker rooms. I was like, this is a new day, brother. Bruce Servant, <laughs> he's a bad man. Yeah, he is absolutely terrifying. Great guy. Super nice guy, but uh, ter- absolutely terrifying. Out of curiosity, what was Cam's reaction to that? Just just kind of went with it. <laughs> you know, we need it to was, know. Well, it's, you know, it's. It, he liked to play that speech from Al Pacino on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a hype speech, but, you know, you're getting ready to play a preseason game and guys are trying to get up for their 
five reps or whatever yeah. they're going to play and they get out. It's a game of inches. Now yeah. put on your hoodie and stand on the sidelines. No, and it's, it's, it feels like something later in the season or when it's really everything's on the line. Because right, I, I looked around the locker room and it's I can see rookies scanning over notes and playbooks. Just hope I don't go the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some guys nursing injuries. Am I going to play or not? Or am I going to get a chance? So it's – just a weird environment and, and Bruce kind of nailed it when he walked in he's like we gotta put some hype on let's just go out there and play ball I love that <laughs> yeah well, go Bruce Irvin won't be here next year oh, there's be a lot of guys sorry. gone and Spo- on that spoilers. note let's just go ahead and burn it down I want to know what jersey to buy just tell me one guy surper surper <laughs> <laughs> double zeros are not going away 51 I would say is a good bet yep yep 89 probably I'm, I think 22 will still be here. I, I literally it. just got that this year to add to my collection, and I felt like I think you're good. Did I, I think jinx this? I, I don't. Or, are we going to start here? Fine, let's start let's here. Let's go. I, don't know. I, guess I would. I I'm. Let's I'm go. with you, Kevin. I, this guy takes care of his body. I know he plays a position, but you look the guy. The guys that are historically good at this position can be good at this position for a decade, and I don't. I think this guy is is going to be great. And yeah, he'll be here when they're struggling. But if this team, if Matt Rule and this coaching staff is what we hope they are, I still think Christian McCaffrey will be as good uh, as he is with them. Uh, you know, when they're ready to compete. Yeah, I, I was on the record three months ago, two months ago, when we started talking about when it's like, okay, well, once Ron got fired, it was kind of you kind of knew this was there was going to be a ton of roster turnover. It was kind of be like, okay, how do we salvage these assets? And I said a few months ago, like. No, you don't trade this guy. This is a guy that can still be around on the other side of a rebuild. Even if you're going to tear it all down, if you're going to burn it down, in three years he can be back. But everything that I'm hearing is that they're taking calls on everybody, and that includes Chris McCaffrey. So he can be had for the right price. Now, what is the right price? It doesn't mean that the right price isn't if you throw in, if you send us Lamar Jackson and three firsts, we'll give you Christian McCaffrey. That might be the right price. I have a feeling it's a little bit more acceptable than that because to me, none of these guys are Matt Rule's guys. And Christian McCaffrey, no matter how good he was, he's not even Marty's guy. He was drafted by Dave Gettleman. So, and he's not Tepper's guy. He was drafted when Richardson was still the the owner. So it's, it's all of these things are like Christian is a great player and probably the best, not probably the best player on the Panthers roster currently. But if you're going to tear it down, if you're going to tear it down to build it back up, as we have heard Tepper say multiple times, put it in the flipping email for season ticket holders. If you're going to do that, isn't the way to do that to get the most assets for the people that have the most value. Well, I think barring some blockbuster trade where um, you're getting multiple picks that you just can't, you know, say no to. um, I think, you know, for Matt Rule coming from the college atmosphere, what he's done, and I'll I'll tease a little bit. We'll talk about the process later on. But part of that process is, you know, as you deconstruct a team a little bit, you're trying to put in there a culture that you believe in. It's been successful at Temple and it's been successful at Baylor. And I think the one guy – on this team that fits plug and play with everything that coach rule wants to do culture wise within that locker room is Christian McCaffrey. He sets an example for so many guys, even older players that guys it's hard to even attain what he's been able to do. 
Um, it's all business when he walks in the facility. It's all about being the best he can at every single practice and make that practice the best it can be so he can go out and ball on Sunday. And I think having a guy like that in that locker room uh, is going to be invaluable for Coach Rule because you can't get rid of them all. You can't you know, weed through everybody. As much as they're saying everyone might be on the trading block or they cut some guys, you're going to have to retain some of these guys that um, you, know, you have meetings with or you make sure that they're on the same page as what you're doing that, that can help be your voice in that locker room. Because, you know, if you draft a bunch of guys or, or bring in some old Baylor guys that, that are in the NFL now, you know, those will help. But nothing will speak with the leadership that Christian McCaffrey would. I mean, when you do what he did last year on a losing team that got five wins and had the production that he had and he works as hard as he has and is just a self-made guy, when you're five nine. 100 and nothing pounds, you know, like Rudy, yep. but yet you go out there and ball out like Walter Payton, you know, it's that's the type of guy that I think they're going to want to have. And I think unless you, you know, it was somebody's just giving the whole house to you, he's got to be on this roster. Everything you just said, and talking about the way he approaches the game, the way he approaches being in there, sounds an awful lot like Sam Mills. And that's a guy that was brought in specifically to be that core player around which everything else was built. Um, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. If there is, if there's a, I, w- I would not hang up the phone. If somebody calls me and says, Hey, we want to talk to you about trading draft picks for Christian McCaffrey. But if it doesn't start with ones, <laughs> then I'm, yeah, then, yeah, which is, which I understand it's a, for a running back. But to me, the combination of this guy, if, if, if Joe Brady is coming here and it's supposed to be some offensive wizard. You have a centerpiece here that, in addition to all that, does all the things that Kevin just laid out. That how 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 where else would you want to start as an offensive coordinator? So wow wow me with an offer, and sure I'm I'm interested. I, I would trade it because I do think that this draft is is a foundational draft, and we'll talk about more about the draft later. But this is a foundational draft for for the Matt Rule era. Um, so if you want to, you want to go all in on that foundational I, off season, not just a draft, because they got to mm-hmm. fill a bunch of spots on this roster. They got to they got to fill a bunch of spots on this starting lineup, and they can't do it with just seven draft picks. Or right. even if you're going to trade back or whatever you're going to do, if you're going to trade uh, Trey Turner for a fourth rounder, um, I, those you have to you're going to have to do a lot. That's not just. And I think the way that they're starting this off season, it's not great. Like all of this. Well, we're gonna. Everybody's on the block, and I don't want to guarantee anybody a starting position. And and if you, you know, uh, we, I, I'm not. We're not going to. I'm not sure about how we're going to move forward. Even though in my mind they are sure about how they're going to move forward, they're just not sharing it outright. I feel like we're, having, stuff, we're shifting discussions here to a different player. We are, <laughs> that, but that stuff goes. That stuff goes around the locker room. And Kevin, you you've been in the locker room. You've I mean, obviously Time when to. things like that. Yeah, when things like this are happening, like. They know it. Like Trey Turner knows that this that the reports went around for the past twenty four hours that he's being shopped. KK Short, when his name comes out next week, is going to know it. Cam Newton certainly knows it from all of his Instagram stuff. Christian knows it. Like all this stuff, to me, it's I'm I'm not impressed with the way that the first two months of the rule regime have gone. Now that's not saying they can't turn back around, but like right now, all of this misinformation I think is hurting them more than it's helping them in that locker room. I don't think, I, I think it's tough to pin it on rule because I think sure, Tepper, no, I, I agree. Tepper's, I, I agree with you. I apologize for, sorry if you're listening, Matt. 
I, I look at the, the fact that Tepper seemed to get tripped up by the Cam Newton question. Like, how, how is that the question that trips you up? How, how have you not been practicing this you know, response for three months? Uh, for a guy who introduced himself in a reality show or whatever we're supposed to call all or nothing, uh, you know, and wanted to talk about having the big balls, and we got, we got Cam Newton, the Brahma Bull, neither one of them wants to play the bad guy. That's, that's what this is. They, I mean, we can talk about preserving trade value and all that stuff, but the bottom line is nobody, neither, neither side wants to be the bad guy in this. And, and both sides know what the future holds. Cam, Cam, the Panthers know Cam doesn't want to play or show up or risk getting hurt with only $2 million in guaranteed money. That's a cap, you know, or, you know, um, the only $2 million is a cap hit. He has, he has no money basically guaranteed him at this point. He is closer to Tyrod Taylor um, in terms of like money left to him versus a, a, a former MVP. Um, it, it, I'm not sure why we're playing this game. I, I'm, I, I'm, sure I'm baffled by this. Like, hey, guess what? Um, yeah, that was a great time we had, but we're moving in a new direction. Um, we don't think Cam's healthy. Like, I, 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 because of the trade value, so that's, so for, that's it. It's just for some potential trade value on Cam. Is that all like, this is I, all for? I can remember going through some coaching changes and feeling that permeates through that locker room is, man, it, anybody, everybody could be out of here. Mm-hmm. And then when the chips start to fall into place, kind of the sports psychology behind it, that the, the coaches, it, it felt like when I made that team or I was not traded or cut from the team, then it was like they must see some value in me. You know, if, if, if I was a guy that's on this roster and there's been innuendo, I may not be here, I got a big salary figure, or whatever the things that go into that conversation, but suddenly when, when all the chips, you know, go down on the table and you're heading into OTAs and you're part of it as someone that could be in the mix for this team, you're kind of thinking indirectly it's a, a vote of confidence in you. And so I think a lot of guys are, sw- are swirling right now, who's next, who's going to be next, and um, – you know, I think for just a couple of guys, you know, maybe I said Christian McCaffrey, I believe he should be on the team. Shaq, obviously, is a good young player that they signed to a, a new deal. I think everyone else is is way up in the air on this. But it can be a good thing because um, I think the one thing that, that Rule really wants to do is just shake up the culture. And to do that, you kind of have to just mix things up so much in a way. And I know it's tough for fans because um, I can't wait for free agency to get here because I'm hoping – Maybe that will give us some impression of where this team's going to go. And then, obviously, the draft will give us a huge indication. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a long time to wait. Because all we've had oh, yeah. right now is just negativity in terms of who's not going to be here. Who's a guy we can't count on? Who's a guy that could be traded? Uh, and it's frustrating. I'm a big fan of this team. Uh, you know, I want to have to see a good product on the field. I know it's going to take time to, to get something back going. But, man, as a fan, it's a bummer. I mean, it stinks right now. Uh, there's just not a lot of good news coming out of there. All you hear is some of your favorite players could be gone. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of the social media time that we live in, right? Because, like, there was this negativity existed in 2010. It certainly existed in 2001. Um, but you just didn't see it every day on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram and, and everywhere else. So um, if you are I, – I said to somebody, like, if you had – if you hadn't looked at any Cam Newton news over the past three months – and somebody was like, and you were like, hey, what's the latest on Cam Newton? And it's like, well, we're hoping that he gets healthy and he's still on the roster, but that's pretty much it. And it's like, okay, so the same thing that it was in November, like mm-hmm. none of all of this ups and downs and all the reports, and it hasn't really changed anything because 
all these things are closed questions, right? Christian McCaffrey is either going to get traded or he's not. And so to to stress yourself out, which is kind of the business that we're that we're in that we're talking about, but like to think about these things that may or may not happen, that's what that's the frustrating part for three straight months. The, but you, we also have to realize where Cam is in the pecking order. I mean, the greatest quarterback, arguably of all time, Tom Brady may be a free agent this year. He's gonna he's he's at the top of the pecking order, and you've got Philip Rivers and Dak Prescott. We'll see how that. I mean, there, there's different quarterbacks, but Cam is fourth or fifth. Ryan Tannehill's in there, but he's gonna be fourth or fifth quarterback option. But those other guys are gonna have to go first. Ooh, I think he might be lower than fourth or fifth. And quarterback options. So if you're uh, uh, who's looking for a quarterback this year, I'm give saying a, they're, they're a the free agent. Well, no, I, oh, I mean, it's a free agent, but I yeah. I was thinking there's also you could there are two guys probably that are in the draft that would sure. probably be viewed high, sure. higher than Cam, sure. if not three, probably but, three. But so if you're a team that's not in position to draft that guy and you don't get Brady, you don't get Rivers or whichever one you wanted or whatever it is, I, there's there's some dominoes that are going to fall, and then I think that's when the Cam Newton conversation actually can take place. Now the the other alternative is that no one is interested in Cam, and that's bad news for everybody. Because if nobody's interested in Cam, that means he may well be coming back for this year. But that means that that shoulder's not right. Because, if, because again, the foot is going to be fine. But that shoulder, if no one is interested in a former MVP, that means that shoulder's not right. I have a feeling that that is the case. I think that when you have heard everything that I've heard, all the smoke that you have heard about Cam Newton being shopped as tradable has been what, what has – the end result of that was Cam now appears that he will be the quarterback in Carolina. It wasn't, well, we, he wasn't being shopped. It was, it wasn't like, it wasn't denying those reports. All it was was now the Panthers are going to roll with Cam Newton for like, if he's healthy, but, phrase the pace, obviously. Um, but like, <laughs> but they were, they were, they were trying to trade him. And so if they were trying to trade him and now they're going to keep him, ipso facto no he the trade wasn't going to work right there there weren't going to be options but i do think that i do think the window opens again for him like i said with the free agency window um but matt rule even said we're willing to stretch this out until september that's Which because, is better for cam if cam wants well, to be on the roster well no it, well it, it is that i guess but to me that just means we're not going to see we're not going to see cam They'll still be exploring whatever options they, they have, but I just don't think we're going to see Cam Newton throw in a Carolina Panther uniform ever again. It's going to be live-streamed if it is, though. Like, you can bet it. OTAs, minicamp, he comes out there throwing. Put it on the live stream. Periscope. Yeah, yeah. and I'll remember, I'll remember training camp from this year when he threw once, and apparently everybody went wild. Everyone on every Panther media person had to, oh, Cam went deep in training camp. We were all getting first practice. Saw it. it was players. awesome. I, I know. was very excited. I know. I know. And I read him and I hit the like button. Oh, yes. Yes. He's back. He's back. Training camp and kickoff then I watched, yeah. under the lights. Yeah. Deep bomb. It was like the third play from scrimmage. Oh, from scrimmage. I was so ready. I was so ready. And then I watched him throw underhand against the Bucks. <laughs> I just, you know, with Cam, it. I don't know. I just I just believe there's still some really good football left in there, and I think it's a catch twenty two because you know if you cut ties and you decide to trade him, whatever you get for him, and he goes out there to a team that's sent like a contender or could be a contender, and just balls out like we've seen him do in the past, it, like 
you know, what does management and the coach has got to be thinking here, you know, because um, sometimes, you know, the, you get these waves where just things kind of connect. It's hard to have the success that the Patriots have had. And number one is, you know, that you've had a – you got lucky with a great head coach mm-hmm. and a fantastic quarterback that have had a relationship that could work together for so many years. That's just so very rare. And there's just ups and downs with every franchise. Um you know, for me, it just feels like, you know, man, if you could get a few more years out of Cam, there could be a quick turnaround. I mean, we were 2001, one win, one win. And Week two one. years later, <laughs> two years later in the Super Bowl, and there's a lot of those same with dudes that said we couldn't play. It wasn't with a different quarterback, but there was a lot of pieces that, that Coach Fox did keep around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he found a way to, to find make them successful and get the best out of them and um, really had a great staff that pulled that together. So, um, you know, I think, you know, by year three, and that's a long way off. I don't want to get in that discussion. But um, if you don't think you're going to have this thing turned around by then with a, a core of young talent, you know, that guy quarterback that, that's got a couple of years under his belt or um, some good young offensive lineman or defensive lineman that you drafted that you can, you know, build that core around, um, you know, why not take a stab, keep him around for a couple of years and just see what he can do, especially it's not going to cost him anything yeah. this year to keep him around. Well, they, I think they should keep him around this year because they don't really have another op- – like, well, if the other option is signing Ryan Tannehill, then keep Cam. If the other option is uh, starting Will Greer, then then keep Cam because, like, unless you can get some sort of asset for him, then, then he's better off on your roster than he is as a conditional seventh-round pick coming back from the Bucks. But I, I, to me – the question is, I, Kevin, were you ever floated as a trade? Like, did you ever hear trade rumors about yourself? No, okay. never, never, never been floated as a trade. I, you know, I've been in locker rooms where it has been, and it's it can get a little uncomfortable. But, really? Um, just because it, you know, that's the part. It's probably apart from the combine. It's the time you feel like the the most like a piece of meat. Um, you know, at the combine, you're just paraded out there and you're told to perform and you get pictures of you just in shorts. And, you know, it's just like your cattle prize steer. And then when you're floating around as a commodity, uh, in terms of a trade to somewhere else, you're just thinking, man, like I've done so much in the community here. I, I've done so much as a leader on this offensive line or, or defensive line or whatever the position is. Um, and you just all of a sudden remember, I'm just, I'm just something that's, that's a tradable piece that can you know they can get somebody else and they'll be just as happy with them uh, if not happier and they'll be happy to just close the door on my career at that team so um, it's tough um yeah I don't know how if some of these things aren't true that you have the Trey Turner talk and some other things you know it's hard to walk that back if that goes pretty far that's gotten to the agent level where it gets to Trey because he's been I mean he's been a great player for this team and uh, really is the one guy you could count on the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, albeit when he's healthy, he's had some some ups and downs with, with missing several games um, in the season, both seasons, the last couple of years. Um, you couldn't really count on him to be there for all 16 games. So, um, And he's older. You know, he's, he's getting a little bit older. Um, not an old player by right. far. It's it's not like K1 Short or something like that on the defensive line. But, um, you know, if you're rebuilding and it's a tradable piece, like you said – you know, and I think the one thing they can say is that, look, we explored everything because it's a new staff here. We wanted them to, to have the pieces that they wanted right. and they end up keeping them. You know, you can quickly 
I think build that relationship back by saying, look, you know what? We floated it out there, but really at the end of the day, watching the film, seeing how you are, getting to spend a little more time with you. We love you. We've got to have you here. You're a part of this growth and, and how we're going to build this team. It, it is also tricky with Matt Rule being the one that's got the, the red pen at this point. I mean, I think we all assume that, right? Like, it, it's not Marty. I would it, Matt Rule has is uh, running the show. Yeah. So, as the coach, you know, if it's the GM – and you're the coach, maybe you can go talk to the player, but if you're the coach and you're the one that's, you know, the, the, the mastermind or whatever, it, it, it's a little, a little trickier. Well, speaking of the GM, we talked about, uh, so like we talked about how everybody's available, right? I think that in my mind and everything that I kind of understand and and the, the thing that makes Surmise. sense is the guys that are not available are the ones that were drafted by Marty Herney or signed by Marty Herney in the past two years. Um because Marty is still the GM. So if he believe, so that's why when I hear people talking about like, oh, they're going to go tackle at seven. It's like, well, you still have the GM last year traded up for Greg Little and thought enough of Greg Little that he thought about taking him at the 16th pick. So I don't think they're ready to give up on Greg Little. If there was a new GM, I would say, well, who the F knows, which you kind of have to say about the draft this year anyway. But like, so if, if Marty is on a one-year deal, right? His Mar- his contract is over after this year, and everybody else is on a seven-year deal. What does that say about, like, the way that, that Marty is handling this, whether it's a rebuild, whether it's a retool, whether he – like, what does he want to do in 2020 if Matt Rule says, okay, well, I, I have this long leash, and Marty's like, well, I got to get through this year. How do those two things intersect with each other? Well, I mean <laughs> – I th- no, I think Marty's Marty's the guy that's um, got to play team ball. I mean, it, there's there's a new sheriff in town, and he's. It, what I wanted to ask you guys is because you you both kind of got excited about free agency, but when David Tepper talked about Marty Herney, he talked about how what a great college scout he was, great you know identifying college talent. We've got a, a staff that's entirely from the college ranks. I I, I would think they would be more interested. I'm more interested in the trade some of the pieces that have been discussed or, you know, if you can get value for them and load up on draft picks rather than seeing this, them enter free agency with any kind of vigor. I know they got to go get some guys and they got to get bodies, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't think this is the time for them to be going and splashing. No, 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 no. My, my, my understanding is that they don't want to be good next year with the eye that everything starts picking up in 2021. So that means comp picks, that means cap space rolling over, that means more draft picks. So whether or not they're trading for next year's draft picks or whether they're, whatever they're doing, like the goal is 2020 is kind of out the window, but if you're Marty, like, how do you, how do you couch that with like, well, I still need to, I want to be back in 2021. But he doesn't. He can't. Just, ha- he can't push his own agenda here. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it can't be. Like if if the plan is to bottom out, and you're the GM, and you you win six games because you went and signed a bunch of guys that helped you win six games, um, then you didn't do what the boss wanted you to do. I so, think you know it's, you know, the GMs are kind of higher draft to draft cycle. You know, so it's not the same cycle as a coach would come in right in January. You know, you're going to let the GM be there through free agency and also the draft, see what kind of picks that they get. Um, I agree. I don't think there's going to be any big splash signings when free agency begins. No. It, it's more about, you know, just finding the right guys that you think can fit the, the culture of what Matt Rule and his staff want to bring to the Carolina Panthers and can help 
be some of those foundational pieces in terms of what the locker room looks like and some production on the field, but nothing big, nothing that's going to cost them a lot because um, this is their first year here. Um, some have NFL experience, some do not. Right. But um, it's going to be a learning curve for them. And, you know, really do you want to make some hardcore choices in free agency that you might regret down the road? And I think it's going to be tough for, you know, how do you evaluate Marty through this process when you have uh, all these guys, like you said, signed to really long-term deals and he's the one outlier that's, you know, year to year on his contract. Uh, I, I think it's just going to be some of these – some of the parts, you know, that he's able to get through free agency. Is he able to get some of those pieces to fill those roles, whatever they may be? They've got a plan. They, they've talked about it since he's been hired. I'm sure of it. They know exactly the players they do want to target. They're not going to – they might not even do anything the first week, obviously, because that's when some bigger names go. Right. But then start to go through that second wave and see what they can get with some real value, have that cap space that stays – uh, that gets them in a good position for 2021, mm-hmm. and then the, the draft is going to be absolutely crucial. You know, if you can make some some big time picks and you know even position yourself with moving back at times or moving up for somebody that you absolutely believe in, I think that's a good indicator that that Marty could be here for the long haul. But you know, they've mentioned about another guy, another position. I don't think they've hired that guy yet, nope. and I felt like it was almost maybe a guy in waiting. To, to be right. with the transitional, but with that taking longer and that not happening, you know, it, it could be something where, you know, Marty and Coach Rule have gotten a really good relationship and he appreciates the knowledge that Marty does bring, especially on the college talent side. So those are things we're not really privy to, but we've not heard a lot of conversation between those. Uh, I think they like what he's, he's done in the draft overall. There's hits and misses, but he's done sure. some really good picks over the years. So, um, you know, for me, I'm hoping he's here because that means he killed it in this year's draft, um, and and gets some big picks like he's done in the past. Yeah, I mean if he can if he can nail the first round pick, so it's to me the NFL and fantasy football are the same. If you can't you can't win the league in your first round, but you can certainly lose it. And say what you will about Marty Herney, but he has a great uh, great track record in the first round absolutely and if you're expecting your gm to hit on 100 percent of his picks you are living in a fantasy world everybody screws up like uh first round picks have something like a 50 percent bust rate that's first round picks have a 50 percent bust rate so the the idea that uh, yes they obviously dave tepper likes marty herney but to me it's just an interesting juxtaposition of all everybody else is here for the long term and Marty is kind of the only leftover from from the past regime. Not mm-hmm. just not just Ron Rivera, but Jerry Richardson too. Well, he's Mr. Tepper's shown that whatever it takes to win, what he thinks believes will get them to a winning franchise that's consistently mm-hmm. um, you know, produces for the for the fans, that gets in the playoffs, all these things that he wants to shoot for. Um, the fact that um, you know, every time I go into that building, there's there's new people around, um, and other play, people that were very very good at their jobs are not there anymore, and, and hopefully they've picked on somewhere else. But um, he wants his guys in there. I don't see why he hasn't made a move with Marty after as much time as they've spent together. Um, that it, to me, every day that goes by it just feels more and more entrenched that that this could be one of his guys. It's a holdover that actually sticks around for a while. 
Yeah, I mean, he clearly likes Marty Herney, and and I think Colin had like floated the idea that like that that this that maybe he was going to be the guy that is behind the Cam Newton situation, and then once that's all resolved, then you move on from Marty. I, I think from I, I think someone has told all of us that they just really get along well, and he thinks that Marty is, is a smart guy and can be a good GM in the NFL, and. Okay, if that's what he thinks, then that's what he thinks. That's that's the other thing is that you we we can we can disagree with all the decisions. I would assign James Bradbury instead of Shaq Thompson. Sorry, Shaq, if you're listening, but they didn't. So that that okay, that that's who's on the team now. Now James Bradbury is going to go and make fifteen million dollars in Washington, and we're going to start Dante Jackson and. Uh, Hopefully Jeff Akuda, but uh, whoever we whoever we pick up in the seventh round, Redskins gonna be really thrilled about getting another Panther cornerback. Yeah, uh. <laughs> it's gonna be so many Carolina players in in uh, Washington next year because they're gonna flip over so many of these guys like mm-hmm. uh, like Kyle Love, like I, you know I don't want to call people out by name, but like these guys that are kind of like fringe of the roster today. They signed Marcus Baugh, who spent the past like two years as a tight end on the practice squad. Boom, right up to Washington. Mm-hmm. Like, those things are going to happen. So, as much as, like, Carolina North in uh, Buffalo, it's like Carolina D.C. or Carolina Capital Edition. No, that's not good. No. We well, come and, up with a better you know, of that. for Coach Rivera, I think it's a smart move because if you, you pick the right pieces that you get from here that you know really were bought into the culture that he wanted to have here with the Carolina Panthers, suddenly you're injecting your guys into the locker room. And that's what Matt Rule doesn't have the luxury of having coming from college football. Um, you know, with Coach Rivera and, and Sean McDermott did it, you know, up in Buffalo uh, when he made that move and bringing some guys up there because you've been around these guys for long seasons, even some long playoff runs. You know them intimately and what they're like in terms of work ethic, what they bring to the locker room and their other teammates. You know, they bought in as a team player. And you strategically pick off those guys that you really think can help your squad and be a, a good voice in that locker room. You know, I think that's it's a good, smart play for for Coach Rivera, and might get some of these guys on the cheap, especially some older guys that, you know, like a Mario Addison or someone like that, that I believe still can be very productive. Is he productive in four or five years when we think the Panthers are going to be good again? No, and I think that's why, you know, he could be a casualty that comes out of this when free agency starts, but could be a very good pickup for for Coach Rivera. How, how Kevin is, is a guy that played football at a, a myriad of levels with a bunch of different skills. How does that process kind of play out when you've got a, a new coach coming in and you talk about the importance of kind of sprinkling those guys in? How, how vital are those guys to kind of the, the rest of the locker room buying in? Uh, it's crucial. Um, you know, when I came to the Carolina Panthers, I played 10 seasons. My, my last stint was three years with the Miami Dolphins. And the coach I had down there was Paul Boudreaux. He came up to sign with the Carolina Panthers as their offensive line coach. Um, he brought me in in that 2001 season because, um, for me, it was – you know, I, I wanted to continue playing. And for me to come back to my home state, it was a no-brainer. Uh, I think for Coach Boudreaux, he knew that, um, you know, as much as he coaches and what he's going to try and instill in the players um, in terms of how he wants them to play and the assignments and how things work – what better way than to bring someone you just coached with a lot of these same techniques, you know how to work with them, that can be a voice in there. Because, uh, you know, there's, there's just tough times. Like, especially the training camps we had with Coach Fox, it's tough, and guys bitch, and they complain, and still have a guy in that locker room that's like, hey, you know, trust me, this guy, 
He knows what he's doing. I know it's a pain right now, but he's got a system. And just kind of co-signing what the coach is doing. Not being a suck-up, but just being a guy that's lived through it with that coach that you can relate to those other guys. You know, this this guy can coach some good football, buy into this. And it you, know, you sprinkle those in certain rooms – um, it's it's absolutely critical, I think, to success that you have those guys, and I think I think that's why you know Coach Rule brought so much staff from Baylor, or maybe some guys that were with him during Temple uh, times there, because um, you know that that's where he can get the basis of that locker room. And albeit it's not a ton of players, but it's coaches they're going to feed into these guys and, and coach exactly the way he wants it to be coached. This seems like a good place to take a break. Hey, Panthers fans, it's Kelly Bardick here, host of the Carolina Line, the newest podcast on the Riot Network, where Kevin Donnelly and Al Wallace use their 23 years of NFL experience to take you inside the game, break it down, and even share some stories from their time on the gridiron. You know, I talk about the defensive line, the athletes of the defense, the big guys that can move, get after the quarterbacks. Oh, dude, it's all about the O-line. That's the real trench warfare going on out there. When those guys have a good day, there's nothing a D-line can do about it. I guess, Al, we're going to have some disagreements along the way. Let's get it. It's going to happen, but we both know that these two big groups of men are the ones that really win games for this football team. The big guys in the trenches. The big guys are where it's at, and they're right here with me. So be sure to subscribe to the Carolina Line on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your local podcasts. That's the Carolina Line on the Riot Network. The P word. What's the P word? You mean OPP? Other yeah, people's you, process? Yeah, you know me. Uh, the process. That's uh, Matt Rule's favorite word, I believe. He said it approximately, what, 1.5 million times? Yeah. At the combine, what exactly does it mean, though? What, many, what is the process? How many verses of OPP do you think you have to wrap while you're washing your hands to rid yourself of the coronavirus? A fourth. Okay. All right. Just the first, just Tretch's first one? Yes. That's all you need. Did we just buy the process from Philadelphia? Was there like uh, a transaction a that ha- happened? Question. It was like originally Philadelphia's process. Because it that's is OPP. copyrighted, right? Like trust the process is their thing. They have, yeah. Like they hung a trust the process banner. <laughs> yeah, I mean Joel Embiid is the process, right? right. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know about this one. I don't know about this one. It, it, everything I feel like every, when listening to Matt Rule, and I know everyone got excited, and every some people even celebrated a victory that that Camden was going to be surely back after Matt Rule expressed that he was excited about him um, being yeah, back. Absolutely. But, Wants him on the roster if he's if healthy. healthy and maybe by September, you know, if the red moon appears. Um, but everything, Matt, I, I'm I'm a little bit bothered because Matt Rule talks about leadership. He wants he's a leader, but everything he's saying is basically, I'm taking a pass on every question. I'm taking a pass. I'm taking a pass. I'm taking a pass. Oh, I haven't looked at the film yet, or I don't want to say that about guys. This is just year one. Like nothing he says can be said again, like going forward during his seven years. Like if he tries to trot this stuff back out like year two, it's like, no, you actually have seen these guys now. So I I just – I feel like they're, he and Tepper are trying to play the game and talk around things, and I just – I don't think that's who they are. First of all, if you're listening, PR folks over there at the Panthers at Bank of America Stadium – Please let Matt Rule be your spokesman for the next four or five months. Like, let, when you need something to be said, maybe keep Dave back behind the podium with his prepared remarks 
And if somebody has to answer questions, let Matt Rule, who is a spectacular speaker, who got out there for the combine, and you're absolutely right. For the first like six hours, people are like, "Well, I think you know what? This we may not even be rebuilding. I think they should. <laughs> like, I, I think this thing is going to happen. I mean, he sounds great. And then you really like, well, but, but uh, I mean, he did well. Um, and then once you like drill down a little bit more into what he said, it's like. Oh, I guess he just kind of said the same things that Tepper did. He just didn't sound quite as much like a jerk about it. Um, <laughs> he could read the phone book to you, and you would have the same feeling. Like he's, it's just it's the, the way the way he enunciates and his timing and everything. It's just something interesting. As soon as he starts to talk, it he, really is. He also does an interesting trick where he'll say, "I know it's boring," and you go, "No, boring is not the word that I want to use right here." But you've just told me it's boring, so we're going with boring. Starts now because the you established though. it. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's boring. No, <laughs> yeah. no, he. So he here's. Here's my thing on the process. He says process the process is doing not just what's easy, it's doing what's hard. It's it's doing the little things to get to an end result, right? And if the end result is a Super Bowl trophy at Bank of America Stadium, what are the day-by-day processes that you go through to get you to those points? And sometimes the process is hard. My issue is that it seems like a lot of the things that they've done so far have not been that hard. Like a hard process to me is going out and hiring a bunch of the the best coaches that you can find that you don't necessarily know. But he went out and hired the guys that he's super familiar with, including his college roommate. Um, the, process the process to me is to go out and go through a rigorous coaching search and interview everybody that you want and then look back, take a step back, and decide not to go to Texas, fall in love with Matt Rule, and hire him when the guy the guy that you were supposed to interview the next day was who everybody kind of thought was going to be your guy. Like, that is not the process. That is saying you're process-based and then being like, well, you know what, but mm, not today I'm not going to be process-based. But and Marty helped him bring in the groceries. <laughs> he ate about 25 <laughs> meatballs. <laughs> It, it, the, they, it feels like they want to be process-based, and maybe they will be, and maybe they are behind the scenes. Maybe it's not what we're seeing. But like being process-based is signing Kyle Allen to your exclusive rights free agent tender deal because he is on the vet minimum, and it's not guaranteed, and he's been a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he has some value, not just not signing him because he looked bad last year. That is not process-based. That's a That seems like a weird decision that theoretically they still have two more weeks to make but i don't think they're going to i don't think they're going to sign kyle allen back and which is fine it's a decision but it doesn't seem like it's very process based it seems like it's like well he looked shitty last year so well there's one we use one uh so we can't sign him and that to me worries that's where i get worried is that if you are looking at the process and the three years of bad seasons once you get blown out at home in year two when you were like this is the one where we're gonna we got our young quarterback it's gonna be great justin herbert is ready and then and then he comes out and throws four interceptions and then what's your process look like does it do you say you know what the hell with the process this guy this guy's got to go and then you're back to square one and it's just i'm just a lot of what ifs we're going a lot of a lot of what ifs but i'm just worried i'm just concerned no it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel calculating. You're right. Like in terms of that, when you're saying bringing in the guy, that is not, that's not, that's not the process. But I think they're trying to use it as this kind of like overarching term. But I, like, I believe it in terms of what Matt Rule says about coaching a football team. Like, I, like that process, I feel like, yeah, I'm on, I'm with that process. But in terms of the, what they're talking about, the, the, the off or the off the field stuff, it's not building a roster through the process doesn't make as much sense to me as building your team through the like right. the camaraderie of building of like the process is every time we do this drill, we do it the perfect way. And then because Matt Rule is undisputedly a fantastic leader of uh, college football players. I'm interested to see how that message comes across to guys who you just spent the last four months saying that you were expendable but now you're here so let's go i think you know it is it's two separate things really when he's talking about the process because i see both sides here with josh and colin it's you've not seen a lot of the the analytics or the a process driven approach to how he's hired the coaches other than these are guys that he trusts and he's won a lot of ball games with and they believe in the culture that he's trying to set and that refers to the players and how they're going to demand from the players, how they're going to coach them really hard to become better players and develop talent, something that some have said the Panthers haven't done in the past when you've gotten these great picks that seem like they're on the edge of stardom. You're not bringing them over that threshold to get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of the players, you know, when you're talking about that process part of it, um, it's really going to start with that first meeting he has with them, and he, he's going to spend – I mean, over an hour, maybe two hours, just talking about what it means to be a Carolina Panther under his leadership and the different traits and characteristics that he sees that are very important and the details and the things that have to be taken care of each and every day that players are going to have to trust that part of it, trust the process, because there's going to be a lot of days that aren't fun. A lot of days there's a lot of hard work. A lot of days where you're getting yelled at, pushed beyond what you thought you could be pushed because you just got to believe in that. And some of these things could be as small as, you know, when, when we enter this building, it it's game time with our focus. So, you know, no hoodies on, no hats on your head. It just sends a statement that it's time to work and be in business. I don't know if that's something. But these coaches, especially coming from the college level, they're about that. Or, you know, it could be things that we've seen in the past with other coaches, especially some that come from college, you know, how you keep your locker, how that is set up. If you can be detail-oriented and take care of your business in this small area that's your locker room you share with everyone else, you should be able to do that on the field. We can trust you to get those things done. That'll build on the bigger things that when it's third down and ten, um, you know, you think a zone blitz is coming, but suddenly they shift to something else. Can you pick that up? Do you know your details of everything your coach has taught you with discipline that you can take, ter- take care of business and someone's not coming through free um, when you had a, you know, your best player open free in the flat and could have been a touchdown. So it builds up to those moments where they get those things done in the game. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of learning that they do for the process of how they scout and evaluate talent. It's a lot different than what you did in college. Now it's guys that are grizzled veterans. You know, who, who are the guys you're going to bring in free agency? Not probably this year, but in the future of guys that you are going to get a lot out of because there's so many misses in free agency where, you know, we've seen it here. You sign big money left tackle and mm-hmm. does not produce. And Still it's costing you, costing you dearly. Uh, one of the highest paid guys in your team this year and won't be around. Um, so what's that process that they get that right? So – 
that will be yet to be determined to see if some of the processes he's put in place in terms of evaluating talent, evaluating the draft picks and where they select and how much you know he has input on that. Um, we'll, we'll see if that works through it. But it just seems like he's, he's so analytical. He's, he's all about getting the best out of the athletes, whether it's nutrition, the analytics on the field, how much they're working, putting you know, sensors on them so they know who's running what, who's given maximum effort, who's, you know what, wow, this guy's already run two miles in practice today, didn't realize he was doing you know, wide receiver routes and punt returns and kickoff returns, and suddenly you know, we got to keep his legs fresh for Sunday. That, he's on top of all that kind of stuff. Not saying that Rivera wasn't, but it's about that for him to get the best out of the players, and that's how he's going to get it done. But some of these things are going to be a learning process for him because you don't just come in and know instantly – uh, some of these things. And I think the concern is he surround himself with a lot of people from the college level. It, it, you would have liked to see him go through more of a process in selecting some of the guys that are going to be coaching these guys on the field that have to play on Sundays, not Saturday afternoons in college football. And another process that could be great or is scary to think about is, is what he's talked about with the draft, with the positionless players and, and trying to identify the traits and things like that. I mean, on, on one hand, there's nothing – knew about that i mean in you know decades gone by it was the raiders and then even recently like the, the seahawks i mean that was one of the things they did was zero in on like the the spark scores and things like that so that's not not new it, are they gonna you know is this gonna be one where we're trusting spreadsheets over our eyes I, like it, it could be awful or it could be great because I, i'm a believer that positionless football and guys that can do because really it's guys that can do multiple things it's not positionless. It's guys that can cover multiple positions. I think that is what the best high-end defense looks like is guys that, that are able to do that in the middle of the field. Yeah. I, now, again, I, I obviously I realized that I spoke kind of uninterruptedly negatively. I hope Maybe this is going to work. Like, it's not uh, – I'm just – I'm a little bit wary right now all of the things that I've seen over the first two months, but it's so hard to judge and it's, Small sample size. Exactly. Mm -hmm. it's a, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. We're two months in to an 84-month contract. And does that seem long? Wow. When I wow. use it in months? Yeah. It, yeah. Wow. 2,487 days. And really? he is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do love the rent soundtrack. That's yeah, really good. Uh, my thing is that it, it may work. I'm just. I, some of the things that I've seen so far, I'm a little bit wary. And maybe he's going to get better, too. Look, I mean, that's the other thing is that – go ahead. No, I was just going to say the man was wearing a smock last year. Like, I'm going to be wary <laughs> for a while. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera said specifically, he was like – one that. He said, "I." He said he made a lot of mistakes when he was a when he was a first year head coach. He also said specifically, one of the things that I wish that I had done was I wish that I had a former head coach on my staff. And not only that, like it wasn't like that was a surprise to Matt Rule. And he went ahead and he didn't do that. He went and he and he said, "Well, the, I was going to fill those positions, the passing game coordinator and the run game coordinator. I was going to fill those with with a former head coach, but then they ended up getting filled by some of the other guys on the staff. And it's like, okay, but you can hire, you can have whatever position you want. You can have him be special assistant to the head coach. Mm -hmm. You can have him bring you hot fudge Sundays. Like you're you run the, you run the show over there. Assistant so, to the regional manager. Exactly. Like the, these are all things that you can do. There's no like, well, uh, you know, um, Jeff Simmons is the is the run game coordinator, so sorry 
Sorry, Ben McAdoo, you're out on your ass. Yeah, well, I mean, Kevin was telling us earlier, you know, walking around the stadium, seeing new people in the, you know, in the organization all the time. It's like, oh, guy with Super Bowl experience. No, that's the one we don't have. We don't have the budget for that one. Yeah. No, it's it's absolutely true. I I, I am hopeful that they that they are able to do it, but it is going to take trust because you have to uh, trademark trust the process. And it's it's difficult when you've been a head coach and turn around a program like Temple and then go to Baylor on the on the cusp of just being irrelevant and off the map totally in terms of football because of everything that went down there and reviving that and having the season they did this past year to not come in and believe you know you've got answers and I think that's why the meeting probably with Mr. Tepper went so well is you know for him First time, well, you know, he's a young owner. He's not owned a team for a very long period of time, and getting to talk to a guy that's that's as pers- persuasive as Coach Rule is. He's obviously been able to bring in talent and get players on his side and buying into uh, what it takes to be a winning football team. That you don't just buy in and think, you know, man, I got this thing figured out. I'm just going to take this whole thing to the to the pro level, and it could very well work. It could be a fantastic. Um, new direction that the NFL goes, that they start hiring more college guys because um, of how they relate to the younger players and how they're able to motivate them and get the best out of them in terms of developing them. But, you know, the, this the, it could also be said the flip side of it. it. It could be a horrible disaster that there isn't that <laughs> yeah. experience there um, that sometimes it's just you don't know till you know. And not having someone to lean on in some of those circumstances um, that's been there and done that is a scary place to be. Yep. Um, I, you know, when I first got in the pros, those first couple of weeks, I'm searching for answers. I had no idea what's going on. I didn't know what I didn't know until I got there, and I'm like, whoa, this is a whole nother ball game. And luckily there was older Pro Bowl linemen that went on to the Hall of Fame to put their arm around me and, and just taught me a lot. It was hard. I mean, they – I was, they were hazing the crap out of me the whole time I was doing it. I had to go through the process <laughs> and it was painful, but, um, having those guys or just being able to watch them and what they did to prepare and, and different things at such a high level, it gave me a direction of where to go. And so for, for this staff, it's going to be, I think really interesting to watch and hopefully it's, it's fun, interesting and not bad, interesting in terms of, you know, some of the things that maybe misses along the way that a little bit more experience on this staff could have helped out with. Yeah. Game time? Yay! Yay! We love game time, and it's one of our favorites. Cam to K1. So, 1 to 99. Chances the following players are still on the Panthers roster next year. And if they're not, what did they get traded for? We're just going to go ahead and go with Cam Newton first. He gets to wear his own number. <laughs> Look, I, I'm I, this is life out of the room, this man. Is not this is not what I want. I know I'm laughing because it, it, it hit the room well. Uh, but uh, no, I, I this is just this is to me the best for all parties. It it just is like I don't need Joe Brady working on an offense for one season of Cam Newton. I'm not. I, I, it, what good does that do me in the long run? I, if this team is trying to trade all the veterans. They're not trying to – it's not like Cam equals Super Bowl, you know, everybody else equals 
one and fifteen. Like that's not the, that's not the the scales aren't balanced that way. So this is not what I want, but this is what I think is best. And I wish that both sides would just own up to it. Um, I actually am going to go the other way, and I'm going to go um, Ian Thomas, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the question was he's on the roster, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think he's going to be on the roster. I don't think that he is going to be healthy enough to. A, I don't think anybody wants to trade for a guy that can't throw the ball, and I don't think he's going to be able to throw the ball until mid-August. And I, I, that means he's on the roster. I also think that, that the way... Wait, 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 so, wait, wait, why, why can't he throw till mid-August? I, I thought everybody's telling me his shoulder's fine. Uh, no, shoulder's great. Shoulder, shoulder's the foot. you got to worry about the foot. I, I know. The even foot. Matt even That was the thing. Even Matt Rule. I, I watched the tape. He's throwing 18-yard comebacks. I'm like, yeah, but it took about 2.7 seconds to get there. You're not wrong. I've, you don't have to convince me. We've been talking about his shoulder for, for eight months. Um, I, I think that he is the, – the way that this is trending is towards him being on the roster, and then it's a whole thing for the next year, and then we'll, we'll see. Now, whether or not he's going to be healthy enough to play in even September or – and you can't see this on the, on the podcast, but I'm going to – is he healthy enough to play come September? Because uh, Matt Rule is very specific about how he was – had to have the right plan to come back and they weren't going to let him out there until he was a hundred percent healthy. And I, I just think this is, there's a lot more, there's a lot more to come over the next six months, six months until the season starts on this Cam Newton thing. So I'll say uh, DJ Moore, 12% chance he's on this roster. I say that because of a new coach, you want a clean break. Mm-hmm and not have the drama of all the cam questions over and over and over. That's what Ron had the last two years, Coach Rivera. Is he playing? What's the status? All these different things that really was a distraction to the team. It's tough. Plus the injury situation, plus being a new coach that is coming from the college level, and I think it's going to ask a lot of the players to buy into his system of how he wants to get this done. Cam, I think, is absolutely adored 100% and backed by everyone in that locker room. Unfortunately, the perception is he's his own guy. He's, um, you know, the one that's a little bit aloof. He's going to be kind of pouty when you, you want everybody on the same page. Um, and, and those are public perceptions that are, you know, just speculation or people like Colin Cowherd or guys in the national media bashing on him. But unfortunately, that's the day and age that we live in. Can you get him to buy in and be a team guy and be more focused on some of those things? I think that's important to Coach Rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but just getting a little feel for him over the last um, you know two months that he's been the coach here and hearing him speak a little bit, I just think it's so important that, that whoever's that leader of that offense, however talented he has to be, has to be bought into the system that they want to be able to run and run effectively. So I don't think it's a very high number that he'll be back. CMC. I was thinking that. Um, I will go. Christian Miller. That's what? oh no. Fifty. 50. Oh no. Listen to me. Chris, Christian oh, McCaffrey no. has the most. Is the most tradable guy on that roster. He has the most value. And if you want value, if you want, if you will do anything you can to get a pick that will get you a future franchise quarterback. That's the guy, so that's why I say Christian Miller. I, I I'll, I'll argue on because I don't think any NFL GM is going to give up multiple number one picks 
for a running back. I just think the optics on that that's, that's fair are, are are bad. Even though I think there may be GMs that go, he's worth it. I just think that they don't want this is the, I, in 2020. I'm the GM that traded two first round picks for running back, and that's what it would take for me for me to move on from him. What do you got? I, well, we need a we need a. Uh, I'm gonna say 90, um, leaving room for crazy because I. I, I <laughs> I, I just it's look I know people I get the logic argument but where those picks end up who's it with I mean I I, I don't know I, I don't see I don't you gotta I, trust that process baby they get those picks in look, there and then those picks we turn into those, players and then the players turn into super yeah maybe maybe the discipline of first rounders like you said who knows what's gonna happen with them yeah, yeah. maybe the disciplined approach to the process will be trading your future Hall of Fame potential running back for. You know, a third rounder. Maybe that will be the discipline. No, approach. I didn't say a third rounder. Listen, second rounder. I mean, one first rounder. One first rounder in the second half of the first round. Like, if you're moving up to get a franchise quarterback, that would be an acceptable use. But if you're, if you're, you know, picking up a twenty-five or something like that, and that's the that's the the big get. Because we know every year there's not thirty-two first rounders. Tua's still on the board at twelve. And the Raiders call you and say, "I'll give you the twelfth pick for Christian McCaffrey right now." You taking that deal? If you wanted Tua, if you're interested in Tua at twelve, you should have taken him at seven. It's a good point. Why didn't you take it? Why wouldn't you have taken him at seven? I was tr- presenting a hypothetical situation. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Because they had to get Herbert first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 they're going both. Because fifty percent hit, so exactly. you've got a great chance. We're about there. to innovate the heck out of this place. Two quarterback system going in. <laughs> I'll give three percent room for crazy and go Mario Addison a ninety-seven percent chance that that he's on the roster. He is not traded because I think Christian will be as productive in year six as he was in year three. I think he is not the usual running back. He doesn't take the hits. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he treats his body, it truly is like a temple. It's about being the best football player that he can be. And he's just a year-round guy in terms of how he eats, sleeps, drinks football all the time. And he wants to be a productive player. I think he's a guy that's got a chip on his shoulder since he was very young, that he was he's too small, too white to be a running back, all these different things. And, you know, this year I think he was also slighted. Even though he got that milestone that's just been only three people have ever done it uh, with the 1,000-1,000 club. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a lot of fanfare. He was no. the FedEx Fantasy Player of the Year, so that was a, an award given out at the NFL Honors Award Ceremony. So pretty big deal in my mind. That, that was Sorry, that was the one I we talked even get through it. No, but, but but you're right. I mean, we talked about that. We talked about it in stadium how they didn't do a very good job with it. Oh yeah, it was terrible. No, they yeah. showed him on the big screen. He pointed oh. it up. It was great. <laughs> Three plays later, that's right? all you need. Right? I think that's you good. go out and give them. You stop the game. Give them the game ball. Stop the yeah. freaking game. Stop the game. I mean, you do want to – you make it a moment. It, it, I've been a part of yeah. it where a guy got a longest streak uh, in the NFL in terms of starts, and we were on the road, and I think it was in Atlanta, and they stopped the game to give Bruce Matthews a football um, because of, you know, like 270-some consecutive starts or whatever it was, and that's that's kind of a Cal Ripken record. I mean, what Christian did was special. I mean, yeah. it was special. Yeah. Trey Turner? Um, I will give Trey Turner his – he also, in my mind, gets to wear his own number because I don't think – I think that while he is being shopped, I think that there just isn't a, there isn't a market for him 
that is going to land you the amount that you probably want to. You have to have some guys on your roster. And I think that, yes, they're shopping him. And, and the source that told Jenna Lane this is probably another GM or works for the the whatever, the Chargers that called up and were like, hey, you guys uh, you guys interested in trading Trey Turner? And they were like, yeah, what do you, what do you got? And they were like, we'll give you a seventh. And it's like, no, I'm okay. out. Okay, just hey, can you throw in twenty meatballs? Like <laughs> <laughs> a game of go fish. Yeah. Like, are you ready for like the Trey Turner call? Like, if you're if you're just like the Chargers, you're like uh, Trey Turner. Oh, oh well, let, let's pull my Trey Turner value up real quick here. Like, I, I just like I don't think he's a guy that you would be just like instantly ready. Like, I think they are shopping everybody. They're they're interested in listening to anything. They're, they're, they've told the league anyone is available on our roster. So if everyone's so available if ev- on your roster. Right. Then you're getting calls about Trey Turner, right? Because he's one of the few guys, and especially because one of the few guys that has value. One of the few guys that has value, but also one of the few guys that has a, a contract that would be a, a great deal for whoever was going to get him. So, um, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think I don't think that the, that the, it's um, there. I was going to say Wesley Wall is 85. Mm. I think he's on the roster. I think you got to keep him because the offensive line was such an area of weakness last year. And do you want to? Whoever's playing quarterback for you, do you want him upright by the time game five rolls around? I mean, you got to have some leadership. He's a Pro Bowl player. And uh, so I'd, to put a number on, I'd go Julius Peppers, 90%. It's a good point. If you want to develop a young quarterback, if you, if you think Cam is not going to be the quarterback next year, whether it's Will Greer, whether it's someone else, you probably want an offensive line in front of him, at least a couple guys. And so. Yeah, I think it's Moten and Trey Turner. There were a lot of I think, people. I think Moten's on the block too. So, Aww. oh, thanks a lot. Sorry for. Boop boop boop. boop. <laughs> it's like this, well, it's like, it's like you can say no. You can say hey, everybody's on the block, but then you say an individual's name from that but list, that's what I'm and saying then it's is, like, oh, <laughs> no, like next. Like, yeah, it's, you understand. Literally next week, like they're going to be like, well, I heard Trey Turner's on the block, or uh, <laughs> Trey Turner. Oh, I heard. Uh, I heard. K1 short same being bandied about in trade talks and they'll blow up the ball. Oh no, they're gonna trade. They're they're shopping everybody, everybody except for Brian Burns. End of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have an intern that's posting things on NFL Craigslist, and it's just it's just everything. It's just like an estate sale right now. Um, let's do two more. Okay, Curtis Samuel. Oh boy, I have no feel for this. I have no yeah. feel for this. We're all like Christian Millers here. Yeah. 50-50 yeah. across the board. Yeah. I'll give this one to Kevin Donnelly, 65. <laughs> <laughs> I really just wanted to throw that out there. I actually think it's something more of a Christian Miller. Love it. Yes. <laughs> all right. One more. Graham Gano. Oh, jeez. Come on. <laughs> i got to go see Bismack Biombo play, and i got to answer a Graham Gano question. I'm going to give Graham Gano a Bismack Biombo because I think that you have a guy like – uh, Joey Sly that proved he could be an NFL kicker and yes, Cheap. it's going to cost them some money. I, you just, I'm sorry. Sorry, Graham. But I do think I, a good process would be to let them both come to camp because you're going to pay Graham anyway. So let them both come to camp, let them kick. Maybe Joey has knee tendonitis like Graham or breaks his femur during practice, which what? is what Graham said he did. What? I've seen those kickers and punters during practice. They're not doing a whole lot. So, <laughs> you kick a golf cart? I don't. Yeah, it's great. Break his femur during practice. He was riding on top of a golf cart. It's one of those injuries. The kicker, the special teams guys, gone wild. <laughs> I'd watch that cart talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
You you got a thought there, Colin? No, uh, I just can I have zero? Can I just can we just? Oh, be you're gonna done? give him the surper? Can I just can we just be done? <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry. I just wow. Like kicker, like I can't kicker talk three years in a row. Like kicker just, talk, baby. It's our next podcast. Can we bring back Harrison Bucker? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. We, we sent off like four pro bowlers like, oh, but Graham, though. All right. You get a skip, Kev. <laughs> I love Graham. That's my guy, man. I, I I think he's he's been so clutch for this team. And, you know, everyone can pick out one or two times that, you know, he's – In a he's single game. Some, <laughs> you know, listen, I think it's definitely a guy that, that is in camp and competing for all the reasons Josh said. I mean, it just makes total sense. And he goes out there and, you know, you uh, obviously during preseason, you take chances on these really long kicks to see the strength of the leg, the accuracy and all that. And it could end up being a very variable. Um, what are they paying him, like $3 million? Like, who cares? In, this, in a year when you're not going to be good, when your intention is not to be good, does it matter that you're going to pay $3 million to Graham Gano? versus saving that three million on Joey Sly. Like whatever. Just whoever you feel more comfortable. And I don't with. I don't know if he's cleared anything as of now, health wise too. So he could he could be around for a while mm, until he gets gets cleared. So it, it may not be something that's immediately um a guy that is tradable right now. Uh just because of the medical situation. So we'll see. But I know I know he's probably busting his tail to get healthy and, and get that job back. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. So we'll we'll see. I think it'll be a healthy competition and ultimately they're gonna get someone something for one of those two kickers this this summer. Yeah, seems like an asset. I'd trade him for a seventh Absolutely. round conditional pick. Sure. Why not? Whatever. 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 Trade you for a conditional seventh round pick. Everybody in here is getting shopped. <laughs> no loyalty. No loyalty. Nikki will be on the Great British Drafting Show next week. Uh, no, I'm going to be on the Carolina line. Yeah, that's true. Me Everybody now wants with our to big arms. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Josh just emailing us to trust the process now. We don't even call or text. Just email. Mr. Podcaster of the Year is just going to have his own solo show. Is that's this like right. when NSYNC broke up and mm-hmm. JT went on his own? I'm more of a Joey Fatone. <laughs> Hey, I've enjoyed this process. <laughs> My first one-day contract. It was a, it was, it was. There were some highs. There were some lows. <laughs> That's fair. But I, I trusted the process. I think we put together a damn good podcast. I love it. I love it. Where can the folks at home find you, Kevin, on the internets or podcast? Oh, calls? on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Kevin Donnelly. It's K E V I N D O N N A L L E Y kind of just ghost people on Instagram. I just kind of check people out. But Twitter's where I'm at. A lot of my Panther news coming from there. Also, Charlotte 49er news because um, mm-hmm. things are popping up there for Will Healy and that staff. It's been fun to be around them and the energy and the process that they brought to Charlotte. It has absolutely paid off. They had some guys at the Combine, right? They're- yeah, three guys. Three yeah. guys. Uh, defensive end, uh, Alex Highsmith, who oh, tested yeah. exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Uh Running back Benny LeMay, not great on his 40 time, but everything else he brings, he's, he's a tough running back that I think someone will give him a chance because running backs, especially later in the draft or free agents, can be huge difference makers, as we've seen on a lot of different teams, especially really good teams mm-hmm. um, that have plugged in some guys like that. And then the third one's Cam Clark, who I think is a very good offensive lineman that tested very well there. I think it's important for our guys, Conference USA, mm-hmm. We're a group of five school, not a power five school, that you can go out there with these guys and your measurables measure up to what these guys are doing. So I think all three of them did uh, 
help their stock performance, you know, their stock rise a little bit, and, and hopefully some of those guys will get drafted. We got two drafted already, third-round picks. One uh, started all year for Tennessee Titans, mm-hmm. Nate Davis. The other one, a uh, very valuable player of the defensive line for the Cleveland um, Browns, Larry Ogan Joby. So hopefully we'll get uh, third, fourth, maybe even fifth guys in the pros this year. Nice. I love it. I want to go to Club Lit. <laughs> I'm all in. We all do. <laughs> all in. Josh, where can they find you, Schmedium Dog? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules with an S, and um, that's pretty much it. That's the only place that you that's can find. Awesome. Yeah, actually, uh, you should go to theriotreport.com for all of your Panthers news. Um, you should listen to the Carolina Line on the Riot Network, the Great British Drafting Show. Uh, it is what it is. It's going to be making its triumphant return next season. Um, not what you think. Everything that we have is fantastic. Um, Kevin, you have is Inside Voices, too. That is Inside that Voices, yeah. yeah. Um, we're doing that monthly during this off season, so we got another one due in March. But really, that Carolina Line, that's coming up very soon mm-hmm. with Kelly Bardick and Al Wallace. Um, we will dive deep into some of these players, uh, possible guys we could draft, some of the combine things that um, that went on. So uh, we're looking forward to doing that podcast very shortly. So that should be out. So look for that one very soon. Very cool. Colin, do you want people to find you? Yeah, they can find me patrolling the paint at the Cramerton Rec Center. <laughs> <laughs> Currently in second place. Yeah. In the paint. Yeah. Second place. Man, that made me really happy. Are we allowed to come watch you play? Oh, that's a thing. Is your church league, is there one like the Methodists or the Baptists that are like hardcore, like you fear? Um, I think we're, <laughs> Protestants. I think, I think we're, the, we're those people. Fear. <laughs> fear, the fear. They come in there like the monsters. Is the all-welcome church? Like any denomination, non-denominational? <laughs> What what day is game day? Sundays, which is great. Like you go in to church, you yeah, do your thing, the and then you play basketball. Yeah. Okay. Ask for forgiveness after. <laughs> for the things I say about the five foot tall referee. <laughs> wish we wish we could afford a full size one. Oh, oh no. And we're gonna end it on that. This has hey. been one day contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Kevin Donnelly, your one day contract is up. Everyone oh. else, we'll see you next episode. It was clearly. Me. <laughs>